0: Let's pray. Father God, we praise you for gathering us tonight, Lord. We, we do understand there's stuff going on tonight, but Lord, you are worthy of everything we can give you. We pray, Lord, that those gathered together around the game would actually be gathered around you, Lord. that the testimony would be shared one to another. Lord God, that here as we gather, we would hear from your word, your spirit alive at work here in this place, as well as there. And wherever the membership of Alden would be, Lord, we pray that you are high and lifted up tonight. That it is you that people see in us. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Check out this. Do you see what I have in my hand? This is a chocolate bar. And this isn't just any chocolate bar. This is from Trader Joe's, and it is— They are so good. It it, it is so good. Would you say it with me? It's so good. Come on again. It's so good. Right? Isn't that great? Okay. Uh, Now, now, what? What? You want to know why it's so good? Okay, it, it's delicious chocolate. It says it's, it's le chocolat de Belgique. So it's like Belgian chocolate, right? And it's filled with that salty, sweet, liquidy caramel goodness, right? Isn't that great? Every time I eat one, I just feel better. It gets those endorphins going, right? Chocolate's good for you, right? And, and you just feel better. Makes me happy. You know You know what? Let's, let's make this even better. Let's take it to the next level. She already knows how they taste. She doesn't get none. Here, Deb. You want a, you want a piece? I'll let you break it off yourself so you don't get like me all over it. See that? You want some? No, you don't you don't know. No. You're missing out. I tell you what, she is missing out. Eh? You know? Okay. She doesn't like caramel. You don't like caramel? Oh, missing out. Oh see this is this is just the best stuff in the world. Is it good or is it good? Yes, yeah, easy. She thinks it's good too. That is my chocolate bar testimony. Right there. You tried it. You heard how good it was. You saw how good it was. You, you partook in it with me. You saw how good it was. Now you know what I know. At least two of you do. You've experienced what I've experienced. You understand completely. When we have something good like that, isn't it a a part of our nature that when we have gone to a wonderful place or experienced something wonderful, like you go to Disneyland or whatever, and and you come back home and you just want to share with other people about it? Uh, You don't count. Most of us want to share. We want the people we know and the people we love to experience it just like we did. So we tell them all about the rides and we tell them all about the food we ate and we we just want them to to share in that same experience alongside of us. We explain it to them in detail. We 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 actually sometimes don't you go uh, after you're done telling stories you say, "We should go there." You should come with me next time I go, and, and we'll, you'll get to see what I saw. And I'll get to see the excitement on your face when you go there. It's going to be great, right? That's how we experience things, and we come back and we share them with one another. And that's exactly what David does in our psalm tonight. He, he's experienced, and he has known the love of God for him. And it's been so good for him to know the Lord that he wants others to know what he's experienced. He wants others to know God just like he does. And so he declares the goodness of God. And he invites them to, to partake in this with him. And he explains to them what it is to know the Lord. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Psalm 34, if you haven't already. Psalm 34, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. Psalm 34, starting at verse 1, says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles, the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come. Oh, children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days and he, that he may say, see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. Affliction will slay the wicked, and those who hate the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems the life of his servants. None of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. The reading of God's word. Go ahead and be seated. Thank you very much. The first thing David does is he he just exclaims. He declares the goodness, the glory of God. He says, starting in verse 1, I will bless the Lord when... At all times, it's that good to know God. His praise will continually be on my lips because I just can't stop talking about how good it is to know this God that I know. My soul makes its boasts in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let's exalt his name together. Come on, join me, right? That's what he says here. It reminds me of a high school football game, right? One guy gets excited and starts going, Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. And everybody just starts, it starts building, right? A few people around him, everybody, join in with me. It's that good to know him. And it should be. If we really know who God is, we'll get that excited about knowing him. And we'll, we'll, when we we have that experience of knowing who God is, we'll be those who just get caught up in it because it's that good to know him. David is excited to such a degree that it makes the people around him curious. Why are you so excited? What is so good about God that you would so joyfully declare his praise even to the point of boasting in him? Who is this God that you would not ever cease speaking of who he is? Do you remember? Do you remember why you became a Christian? Do you remember that day? Do you remember your reasons? What what is your Testimony. What is it that, that caused you to enter those baptismal waters by your own volition? You chose to do it because you knew and you saw and you understood and you experienced the goodness of God in your heart and in your life and he worked something inside of you and you just knew this is what I need to be doing. What is your testimony? Do you remember what it is? That's what David does here. In this declaration, he recalls his experience with the Lord for others to hear it and to understand. David says, here is what I've gone through with God. He starts in verse 4. He says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant, and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man right here, me, I cried. And the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. He says, I was in trouble. I had trials. I had tribulations. I had difficulties. I had hardships. The same kinds of things that each and every person living in a fallen world is going to go through. I was in a poor state of being when I cried out to God. He says, the Lord comforted me. He delivered me from all my fears, he says. We talked about the fear of God in the morning service not that long ago. And we came to that understanding that a greater fear will always trump a lesser fear, right? When when there's something greater to be feared, it doesn't matter so much whatever the lesser one is. One of our favorite shows on television, it's called Monk. I don't know if anybody here has ever watched it. And this guy is just full of fears. He's afraid of milk. And and, uh, in one show, he jumps on top of a table and his friend says, I thought you were afraid of heights. And he says, uh, snakes trump heights. Because there was a snake in the room and he was afraid of the snake. He was more afraid of the snake. So he jumps on the table and it doesn't matter how high the table is because he's more afraid of the snake. Are we more afraid of God? Because when we are, it's not that the trials disappear and we no longer have any troubles and everything's bright, shiny, happy, right? It's not that the trials have gone away, but the fact that they pale in comparison to a fear of God, to a real knowledge of who He is and what He's done for us what he's capable of. A fear of his hatred of evil. His hatred of sin. His hatred of the morally wrong. David says to them that God removed his shame. Because when when we fear God first and foremost above anything else, we suddenly start enduring the trials of life not for our sake, but for His. Our focus, our our entire perspective on life becomes different when we are looking at God and who He is and and we look at the trials and the troubles that we're going through and the shames that we might have to endure and we say, this isn't about me anymore. This is about God. God. And in that, his shame is just washed away. There's no more shame because it's not about me. I'm going to live this life. I'm going to endure this trial. I'm going to go through this hardship, living it for him. And if anybody hates me or spites me or does wrong to me because I'm doing the right thing, because I'm living for the Lord, because I'm giving my life to him, then that's not to my shame anymore. The Lord removes our shame when we're living for Him. He says that my experience with God is that He... Sorry, I'm getting distracted by the sirens. He he removes my fears, He removes my shame, and He saved me. See, God saw David through the trial that He was going through. And so David says in in verse 5, those who look to him are radiant and their faces will never be ashamed. My radiance is not foolish. It's not a shameful thing. Any troubles that I have, any troubles that I could go through, I know that they are temporary because I've been through the trial. I've been through the hardship. I know God has seen me through it to this end and whatever I endure here, he will see me through it to that end is the goodness of God and my experience with Him. I have confidence because God has shown Himself trustworthy. He has shown Himself to see me through all the trials, all the hardships, all the difficulties, all the shames, all the fears, whatever I may encounter in this world. God has shown Himself trustworthy and faithful. David can look back and remember what he's been through with God and say, he is more than able to deliver me. I've seen it. I know it. I've experienced it. This is my testimony, David says. And he says in verse 7, and he can save you too. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Not just David, not just the the pastoral staff, anybody who fears him. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. God can save you too. He does the same for anyone who fears him. And, And then after having declared God is so good. It is so good to know him. I'm, I'm going to always be praising him. Here's my experience that I've gone through with God, and I can look back and say all these great things about him. Here's my testimony. And then David invites others. He invites you and me to to experience the same walk with God. He says in verse 8, This poor man, no, 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 verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That's one of my favorite little Phrases in scripture. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him have no lack. The young lion suffers want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. He says, come on, experience it with me. Curious, is it enough to say, look at this great thing that I have. If I held up this delicious chocolate bar, Look at it. It is so good. Is it? Okay, have a nice night. Is that enough? I Only mean people say, "Look with your eyes, not with your hands." right? That's just mean. Don't, don't we want those who we love and care about to share in those things with us to enjoy it with us? It is good to know the Lord. To fear him above anything and anyone else, isn't it? It is it is better than anything else in your life, isn't it? Is it? David says, but you won't fully comprehend this idea until you taste and see. And that is one of the most brilliant visuals in, in Scripture. I just love this one. What do you have to do to taste and see? I, mean, they, I I held out the chocolate bar. They had to actually grab a piece and break it off. They had to actively participate in this experience. They had to put it in their mouth. How many things do you actually want to put in your mouth? Right? Only the, only the stuff that you wanna, you're gonna chew on and you're gonna ha- taste it and you're gonna experience it and it's gonna actually become a part of who you are. That's what tasting and seeing is. You take something in and it becomes a part of who you are. You experience it, not just on the surface, not just looking at it and saying, okay, that is good. You, you take it in what a beautiful visual he gives us in this psalm. You don't really taste it till you partake in it. When we truly know God and experience life with him, he he gives us a proper perspective on life on this earth. Verse 9 says Oh, fear the Lord, you, His saints, for those who fear Him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. What does He mean? What, what, what is this? The most powerful creatures on this earth, a young, strong, vibrant lion, king of the jungle, right? especially at the time of David. This is one of the most powerful creatures he could think of. And they experience want and hunger because their focus is solely upon their desires, their wants, and their needs in the moment right now to survive right now and what they want, the hunger they feel, and they aren't satisfied all the time. But those who seek God lack no good thing. When when we are willing to align our will with the will of God, to give up my will, to, to look at God and say, Whatever you want for my life, when we're willing to do that and align our will with his own, our circumstances start to matter less, don't they? Cause I know whatever God has brought me, it is for his good purposes in my life. We know that God will give us everything we need in order to accomplish his will for us in this life. This life on this earth. We will lack no good thing. We will lack no good thing. If I don't have it, if I don't have that brand new Porsche, it'd be nice, wouldn't it? It's for my good. Perhaps that I would not be distracted by this thing in this world, that I would take my attentions away from living for him, accomplishing his will. If I had something like that, maybe I'd be too distracted with just trying to keep it from being dented, keeping it clean. My, My focus, my attention would be drawn to this thing. If I do have it, let's say a good meal, Then it is for my good. Again, if I don't have it, it's for my good. If I do have it, it is for my good that perhaps I would have the strength and the energy to live for the Lord, to walk with him, to share my testimony like David is doing with us in this psalm. So David declares. David invites us in. And then David explains what it is to walk with God. Verse 11. He says, Come, O children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is there who desires life and loves many days that he may see good? Keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. See, our, our testimonies... Should always point to God. The words we use, the things we do in action and in word. Uh, the one who fears God, truly fears God, it can be seen in both their words and their deeds. Verse 13 keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking deceit. See, the one who fears God will speak differently than the world does. We won't use our words to our own advantage. See, when people speak deceitfully, when they lie, it's for their own self-centered gain. I'm gonna lie so that I don't get in trouble. Oh no, I wasn't taking those drugs. No, officer, I'm, I'm fine, right? I lie so that I don't get in trouble. So I won't lose out. So I can gain something. That's why people speak deceitfully. But the one who fears God will not use their words for their own advantage, but for the good of others and for the sake of the Lord, their Savior. The other distinguishing fact of somebody who follows God is that they will turn away from evil, verse 14. Turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. It will be seen in their deeds. The one who fears God will behave differently than the world does. Knowing God, knowing the moral law of God, we will pursue a life that walks in it. We're no longer bound to the law, no longer the laws of sacrifice, no longer the laws of the nation of Israel, but God is still a moral God, and he still wants us to walk in his ways, and those who fear God will speak differently and behave differently because we know that God wants us to walk in his ways morally. Colossians chapter 1 verses 9 through 11 says, And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit. In every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. When we know God, that that knowledge of him, that understanding of who he is, will have an effect on us, causing us to desire to live for him. Why? Because we know that the Lord provides for those who love Him. Verse 15. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and His ears toward their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed In spirit, he knows those who live for him. He knows those who love him and those who are utterly dependent upon him. Romans 8.28 And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Our greatest source of deliverance is, is ultimately through his son, isn't it? Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. After calling us to walk in a manner pleasing to the Lord, giving our lives to him, it reminds us as to why in verses 12 through 14, it tells us that we are to give thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Because he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Is that not good? Oops, extra slide there for you. God listens and God saves. Not because of what we have done or what we can do for him. It is not by works, but but because of who He is and what He has done for us in Christ Jesus. We need to remember that this perspective, our, our salvation in Jesus, God's provision for us on this earth, does not, however, remove us from the fallen world around us, does it? Verse 19, It says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He keeps all his bones. Not one of them is broken. As long as we are living in a fallen world, we're going to be affected by a fallen world. As long as we are living amongst sinful people and and are living in these bodies of fleshy temptation ourselves, we are going to be affected by the effects of sin. God doesn't remove us from it. We're going to have to endure trials. But we endure these trials with a living hope, a living Savior who's been risen And therefore we know there is a resurrection awaiting us who is seated at the right hand of God and so we know we will be joining him there. We have a salvation that is not dead but is living. And we need to remember that these trials and the afflictions, they do serve a purpose in our lives. First of all, they will sift the righteous from the wicked. Look at verse 21. Verse 21 and 22 affliction will slay the wicked and those who hate the righteous will be condemned the lord redeems the life of his servants none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned affliction sift the righteous from the wicked trials separate out those who love god from those who do not love god Afflictions in this verse it says, afflictions slay the wicked as their true character comes out in the midst of the trial. Their self-centeredness, their uncontrolled anger, the lack of any of those fruit of the Spirit. The afflictions of the wicked stand to their condemnation as you can see their real character and their hatred for God actually come out in who they are. One can see the evidence in how they respond, how they endure or don't endure, that they don't know God. And yet those same afflictions, when given to the righteous, should stand in evidence that of our love for God, of our new life in Christ. Verse 22 says, The Lord redeems the life of his servants, and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. As others see the, the love of God and, and the fruit of the Spirit on display in our lives as we endure the trials and we still share Christ, as we see as the hardships come upon us and people say, how can you still have joy? And we say, let me tell you why I can still have joy amidst this trial because I know a big God who's far bigger than I am. People see that in our lives. Now these these two verses should beg a question from us, and that question is when I'm in a trial, when I'm going through a hardship, when I'm being pressed hard, how is it that I react? Do people see that fruit of the Spirit in me? Do, do I trust God? Do I bear that fruit in my walk? Do I show people that salvation? Do I wear it on my sleeve for everybody to know? The other thing our afflictions do is they give us opportunity. Affliction gives us testimony. What would David have said if he had never gone through any trial? Look at verses four through seven. He says, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces shall never be ashamed. So he's had fears, he's had shames. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. David had troubles, he had fears, he had shame. He was going through a hard time, he was poor in spirit, and that is what gave him his testimony. Look, God delivered me out of all these things. The afflictions of the righteous are many, but look at what God has done. Just as God made the founder of our salvation perfect through suffering, he made Jesus perfect and the salvation that we have in him perfect through trials and hardship, through an entirely human experience. Jesus is now able to sympathize with those whom he saves. And just as Jesus did this for us, so we do it for others. Paul Tripp, he said in in one of his books, Our testimony helps people who are dealing with the unthinkable to view life from the perspective of God's glory and grace and their identity as his children. As you tell your own story, you help people to see that the very suffering that seems to cloud their theology actually expounds it. It is in the the darkest night that the glory of the Redeemer's love and grace shines brightest. Hope points people toward the light. Your testimony is special. You have life experiences. You you have endured hardships and tribulations that I never have, and I might never endure them like you have. Therefore, you will be able to connect with people that I will never be able to connect with. Someone here can say to an abused person, I know what you're going through. But let me share with you about the God who carried me through it all and and how your trial, this hardship, actually makes sense in a fallen world. That's the power of our testimony. We can help people to understand what it is to live in this fallen world and have a good theology. Someone here can say to the alcoholic or or the drug addict, I know how you feel. I know the temptation and the pull, but let me share with you about the God who removed me from that way of life and gave me a newness of life. I see clearly now and I think clearly now and I live for him now. You have an important testimony be grounded in that testimony. And it can be your testimony, whatever it is, from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from, from the plain to the exciting. Sometimes a very plain testimony can be very affirming to somebody else who who sits back and says, oh, well, everybody's testimonies are so exciting, but mine, I just came to know the Lord when I was eight, and, and I've known him all my life, and it's not very exciting. But that guy over there, he was a drug addict, and he got out of jail, and now he loves the Lord, and that one's cool. Mine isn't. But if you have a plain testimony, you can say to that other person with a plain testimony, I know the Lord too. And you know what? We know the Lord just as well with our plain, ordinary testimony as somebody with a great one, an exciting one. God is that good to save us all. In different ways. They, our, our testimonies can affirm one another. They can generate interest in other people, in the things of God. They can be the tool that God uses to bring new life into the kingdom. You have a story to tell that connects you to others and just might connect them to the Lord. If we are people who declare with, with a, just a vibrancy the joy that it is to know God, Because if it's not good to know God, then who's going to want to know him? Right? If we are those who invite others to experience it with us, come, taste and see. Let me pray for you. Let me help you see your way through this trial. God has brought me to you that you might know him if we become those who who explain to others what it is to know the Lord. Let's be those who declare, invite, and explain. Let's pray. Father God, we praise you. You've given us your word that we might know you more, that we might have ground to stand on as we talk to other people. Because Lord, it isn't the shaky ground of my own thoughts. It's not the, the sand of our own ways, but it is you a solid rock upon which we stand. Lord, we thank you for the testimonies you've given to each and every one of us. We pray, Lord, that you'd give us the strength, the awareness, the ability, the words, the wisdom to use these testimonies that you've given to us, that we might be an encouragement one to another, that we might bring people to know you. Lord, we acknowledge that it is not us who does that. It is your Spirit we pray, Lord, that your spirit would be here amongst us and as we go out into this world. Would people see you in us, we pray, all in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.